Welcome to Into the Breach, a reps and warranties policy podcast by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer, partners and co-leaders of the Transactional Underwriting Council practice at Cyforth Shaw, interviewing leaders from the industry and exploring the latest developments, market trends, and news impacting RWI and the transactional risk insurance markets. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Into the Breach. I'm Brian O'Keefe and joined by my co-host Jenna Usenheimer. How are you today, Jenna? I'm good. How are you, Brian? I am doing wonderful. And to our uh, loyal listeners, this is our first podcast of 2023. And uh, Jenna and I just uh, had a nice holiday break. And I know our, our loyal listeners, Jenna, the top thing that they're wondering after the holidays is what Mr. and Mrs. Usenheimer uh, got for their for their daughter there. Were there Hanukkah socks? What sort of gift was uh, at the top of the list for you this year? Well, the gift that was at the top of the list or the gift that was from my parents for Hanukkah? Can, Those are two different You can questions. answer that question any way you want to answer it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to. Well, actually, that. your gift was my favorite gift. For, people don't know, Brian got me a cameo from A Real Housewife of New York, and it was amazing. And I loved it. I loved it before I even hit play because it was so exciting. So that was definitely better than the Hanukkah gift I got from my parents. <laughs> Well, so thank you, Brian. Well, you're yeah. very, very welcome. And I will say, uh, likewise, Jenna got me a, a wonderful gift. And then she got uh, me two Into the Breach mugs um, that had our little <laughs> logo on them. And then uh, also had select quotes, shall we say, from our reps and warranty practice. So um, I don't know, maybe maybe future guests will get a mug from us as a thank you or something for being on the show. If they're if they do a good job, you know, we have to keep it real. So. <laughs> right. Only if they do a good job on the podcast. Perfect. I know. I know. So, so our, our guest today should be forewarned. I know. Well, he, the pressure is now on and our guest today, we are so uh, fortunate to have him. We are continuing our theme of international uh, related shows. We've done several topics on this. Um, and we have today with us, Josh Begner, who is the head a private equity and M&A for uh, Willis Towers Watson, WTW in Israel. And we're going to be talking today about reps and warranty insurance and uh, how this plays out in Israel um, and the similarities, the differences and all around um, how the product is kind of viewed in Israel. So thank you so much, Josh, for, uh, for joining the show. We're really delighted to have you here with us today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jenna. It's great to be here and an honor to be uh, on the first podcast for, for 2023. Well, we are delighted to have you here. Thank you for, for joining us on the show. And um, perhaps, Josh, um, you could start out by just uh, explaining a little bit to our listeners about, um, you know, kind of your career path, how you landed um, uh, working in reps and warranty insurance, um, and uh, how you've kind of uh, gotten over to, to WTW in the position you're in now. Sure, sure. So I I started off um, like most people in in the uh, M and A insurance industry as a lawyer. So I was an M and A lawyer um, in in London first at a, a firm called S J Bowen, and then I I was at uh, the London office at Wilkie Fire and Gallagher. So I spent nine years as, as an M and A attorney, um, focusing primarily on on investment um, into Europe. So it was European M and A deals. 
Um, and I always, it, what was interesting for me is that my, my career as a lawyer really spanned that period from when at the start of it, we, we, we didn't really see much rep and warranty insurance, but by the end of my time as a lawyer in kind of 20, um, uh, 2019, 2020, we, we were really seeing it on, on pretty much every deal. So it was a really interesting experience for me because uh, I really was, was was witness to that growth on the deal that we that we were working on, and I always enjoyed that that part of it. I always really really liked that process, and and the more I saw of it, the more I thought that I would really enjoy doing it. Um, given it's so client focused, and it allows you really to to be very commercial, but also to have that real interaction with the clients and also use your legal skills. So I um, I decided to take the plunge and uh, and I moved into the rep and warranty market in 2020, literally just as as, as COVID was was actually starting to come in. So um, it, it was- yeah, an Talk about timing. timing, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's tell me. I, I didn't actually make it into the office for 10 months. So uh, it was- uh, <laughs> It was a bit strange starting my my new job and uh, you know sitting at a desk at home on a Zoom screen and uh, but you know we all made it work as everyone did um, and it, and you know for me I I was brought in to, to, as part of the senior team to do European deals and uh, advise on on RWI so whilst doing that I started to look more and more at the Israeli market um, and that's for various reasons I I have a, a lot of family there a lot of relationships and and personal connections in Israel. It's a place I've spent a lot of time in throughout my life. Um, and also it's it's such an exciting and interesting place from a tech perspective and, and really from an M&A perspective, because it's, it's a country that has a huge amount of activity. If you look at especially what happened in 2021, the number of unicorns, the number of IPOs, the number of M&A transactions. Um, and, you know, for me, what was interesting is that looking at the Israeli market, it, it was maybe the only very developed M&A market, which wasn't really utilizing rep and warranty insurance in the way we see it everywhere else. So having spoken to people in the market and, and people that I know, it really, to me, felt like the reason was just a lack of focus and, and attention from the market on Israel. You know, there was not a single broker globally focusing on Israel, um, which I found quite astonishing. So. At the time, I thought, you know what, I'm going to start doing a little bit of Israel work on the side. And it quickly became my entire focus. So I uh, <laughs> I, I did my first Israel deal in, in December or November of December of 2020. And uh, over the year following that, we uh, we did about 35 deals um, and we saw real, real traction in this market. Um, and COVID, in a, in a way, was it, it helped us in the sense that everyone was at home in Israel and in London and sitting behind a screen. So everyone was happy to jump on a Zoom and build relationships and talk to you and listen to you. So for us, it was really interesting to see that growth. Um, and then Willis Towers Watson, um, which uh, is now the largest global insurance broker in Israel, um, approached me and said, we think it's time to put someone on the ground. Um, and so uh, I picked up my family. I went home. I informed my wife that we were moving to Israel, which thankfully she <laughs> um, And uh, we moved across about seven months ago to start what is the, the very first on the ground team here in Israel. Um, 
and it's been a whirlwind you know it's been meeting with with lawyers bankers uh, trying to really familiarize the the ecosystem with what we do um and we've been thankfully very busy on on deal work so we've seen real growth already and uh it should be an exciting 2023 well that that's an interesting story and i think uh jen and i are both smiling because there's a lot of similarities sometimes to our own story um in this field both in uh you know, watching this sort of take off from a different angle, different uh, places we were at with this, and then, um, you know, thinking this was perhaps going to be a side thing, and then watching it take over our lives. So um, I think we can both, uh, we can both um, uh, really understand where you are kind of coming from um, with that. And, you know, I think you raise, um, you know, a, a lot of great points about uh, Israel. I mean, I think it's kind of known more globally is sort of like a, a startup nation and a nation that has, um, you know, like you said, a lot of unicorns and um, in, in companies like that. So I, you know, I think just from an economic perspective, it would be the sort of place that would be, you know, well positioned for uh, this product and for reps and warranty insurance and, you know, in the short term and probably the long term too, right? Completely. And I, and I think, you know, for me, when you think about new markets, and it's an interesting time right now because of the way the M&A market is globally, I think a lot of carriers um, and brokers are, are starting to look at new markets. How can we start building into new jurisdictions? And generally speaking, my view is, is that you, you look where, where do your clients go? Where are they operating? Where are they investing? And you know, if you look at Israel over the last two years, there's been huge investment and you've got teams on the ground now here from the likes of Blackstone and Francisco and Apex have been here a long time. Um, and you look at General Atlantic, which now has a team here. And then you look at the investment banks like Jefferies, which have just put a team on the ground. And you've got Rothschild and Goldman Sachs and Citi and Barclays, all of these um, global entities think of Israel as being important enough for them to really invest in. And if the private equity funds and the investment banks are all investing in this jurisdiction, there's a reason for that. And, you know, I think being here now on the ground, it's it's been amazing to to meet with, with people in this ecosystem. You know, they just live and breathe tech. And for them, they are constantly looking to build new companies and, you know, to, to, to challenge the way we do things. So it's 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 an amazing, amazing place to be. And I think economically, it far, if you look at the numbers, I mean, it's pretty staggering when you look at the number of unicorns in Israel, uh, it's more than, than most European countries. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, and what's interesting is that the culture here, it is so embedded in the culture that this is not a short term uh, kind of period where we've seen it and now it's finished. It's, it's much more than that. This is something embedded in Israeli culture all the way from when you are young at school, all the way through um, to the time you spend in the army, et cetera. And because of that, this is very much, I think, a long-term growth that we're going to see. Um, so talking a little bit more into the substantive, like what the deals look like in Israel. So are the policies, like are the rep policies and the purchase agreement used to, like, are we, is it similar to what we're used to seeing here in the States or is it more like a European or a UK format? Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I like to think of it as the best of both worlds, which is why it's the best market to be doing deals. So it's, um, you know, I think <laughs> if you think about the M&A market in Israel, firstly, the way the SPAs are structured, it's all very, very um, US style. So if you were to look at a US, at an Israeli SPA, 
it is almost identical in every way with a US template SPA, the uh, other than the governing law clause. And, and, and even then it is sometimes governed by US law as well. So it's um, it's one of those things where, if you, you know, when you think about it, a lot of lawyers have moved here from the States and play very prominent roles in a lot of the major law firms. And inevitably they, they would have taken precedence over the years, et cetera, and, and looked at the way they did things in the US. And that's now the way they do things here in Israel. So. It's really interesting because if you're a US buyer and you're investing in Israel, the SPAs will be very, very familiar to you. And that's the same with the insurance policies. So a rep and warranty insurance policy in Israel, it's it's identical really to what you see in the US. And that's in form, in substance, in coverage. It, it really literally exactly the same thing. So for us- Is it in English though, or is it in Hebrew? It, it all in English. So good questions. Wow. Again- so exactly the same. <laughs> the majority of deals here, everything is in English. Um, wow. and a lot of that is if you think of the M&A that gets done here, the vast majority of it is cross-border, in particular investment from the US, but also from Europe and Asia. So for all of those deals, the documents will be in English. And even on deals which are completely domestic, we see a lot of those deals in English as well. So, you know, English is very much the glo a global language and it's used here in respect of the deals that they're doing. But what's interesting is that insurers now are even getting comfortable with non-English documents. They actually did a deal recently where the insurer and now has done enough deals here that they were able to get comfortable with counsel advising on a Hebrew document. So, you know, for us, wow. U.S. investors should feel comfortable. The coverage is the same. The process is the same. It, it is literally exactly the same. And also the insurers are the same. If you think about it. Um, it's the global insurers who are underwriting these deals. It's not Israeli insurers. It's it's the same people you see everywhere else. So if you're a US buyer and you are buying a company in Israel and you like using any specific carrier, you cleared whoever it may be, um, you can use that same carrier for the same transaction in Israel. So th that should give a real confidence to investors. Um, and you know, for us, the, the only difference is really the price in that we get significantly cheaper coverage here in Israel. So if you think about the extremes of pricing with the US being on one side and Europe and, or the UK being on the other side, Israel sits pretty much in the middle. So from a pricing perspective, we can honestly say to clients that when you do a deal here, you get US coverage, but you're getting it for significantly cheaper than you would pay in the US. And a lot of that is because the London insurance market has a key role to play here. Because if it is a an Israeli entity or an Israeli law SPA, often it needs to be done out of London as opposed to the US markets. So for London and London insurers who are used to quoting much cheaper, they are obviously quoting more expensive, but it isn't quite at US levels. So it's actually a really big advantage for US investors doing deals here to be using rep and warranty insurance. Yeah, and actually, I think you uh, took the took the. You were thinking my next question. Yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the financial details and sure. um, you know sort of see where the where the pricing is, and then um, perhaps you could also just talk a little bit about the you know do the retention sort of work the same way in terms of you know relative to the enterprise value or the kind of the financial mechanics the same as what we see in the U.S. as the U.S. policies um, or are there other sort of differences in that way. Yeah, very similar. So in terms of, of the pricing, I, I guess if you think about rates, I mean, what's been interesting is rates have dropped significantly over the last six months. And, and I don't think that's that's not a surprise. We've done a lot of work with insurers to get them comfortable with this jurisdiction. Um, WTW brought over 15 underwriters to Israel about three months ago to, to really introduce them to this ecosystem. 
Um, and we are seeing the fruits of that now. I think it's also aided by the fact that there is less MA activity globally. So insurers are a little bit bit um, more flexible as to the coverage that they're giving. So pricing is anywhere between two and three and a half percent. So it's it's really now, you know, if you I I I can't speak for the US, but certainly I don't think you see many US deals where it's full US coverage for early twos, but you're starting to see that on Israeli deals. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from there. Inevitably, as MA activity picks up, it may go up slightly the price, but we expect it to remain competitive. With retentions, it's again similar to the US traditionally, um, in that you tend to see 1% of enterprise value, maybe 1% dropping to 0.5% after 12 months. But there are some carriers who are now even offering to do flat 0.5% retentions for Israeli deals. Um, so again, you're seeing a slight differential with the US market in that carriers are willing to take a slightly more European approach when it comes to their deductibles than maybe they would on a US deal. And the last point is around limits. So the, the, the limits that we see in the US, I think, uh, are usually around 10% of enterprise value is probably most common. In Europe, we, we often see higher towards the 20 25 to 30% mark. Israel, again, sits somewhere in the middle. Um, I think 15 to 20% tends to be the limits that we're seeing on deals. A lot of that, I think, is just that it's a market that a lot of buyers from the US may be less familiar with. So I think having more coverage is just gives them a little bit more um, safety on a deal. That's very interesting. And what, what are you seeing in claims activity, if anything? So it's a really good question. Um, because, you know, when I started doing Israel deals two and a half years ago, the big fear was around claims. So there were very few insurers at the time who who were underwriting deals in Israel. In fact, there was one. Um, so for me, it's difficult to create competitive tension with insurers when there's only one giving you quotes. So for me, the most important thing was to build that market. And uh, the way we really did that was by doing lots of deals and being able to demonstrate over a period of time that actually the, the claim statistics are no higher than we see anywhere else. So. And, and, and that really has borne out, you know, the claim statistics uh, are really much lower in Israel than we see even in Europe. Um, I think I saw on a recent market report that circa 18 or 19 percent of policies tend to have claims. Uh, we are way, way below that in Israel. So that has certainly helped. Why, Why do you think? Is it because the market's relatively new and so the claims haven't hit yet or... It, initially, that initially that was my thinking. That you, uh, but but now I look back, and you know, a lot of the deals we did, they're two two years plus now in terms of some of the deals. So, you know, for for those deals, we're past the point at which you would usually expect to see claims, at least statistically. So, uh, you know, it's a really good question. Uh, what I can say here is that the process, the diligence, it's very similar to what you see in the U.S. Companies are well diligenced. Um, so I, I, there's no reason that there will be more claims here than there would be anywhere else. Um, but so far, it, I'm sure claims will come at some point because they always do. Um, yeah. And we have, we have seen some claims which which um, which we've acted on, but they are really uh, uh, much, much lower as a percentage than as compared to really any other jurisdiction that I'm aware of. That is obviously good for us as we build a market, but it, it gets yeah. insurers more comfortable and it's had a direct impact. I can tell you that at least three insurers who are now underwriting deals in Israel have said to me that the reason they are doing it is because there is now a long enough period demonstrating that actually claims activity there is no higher than anywhere else. That's an interesting, an interesting dynamic that, you know, uh, it, it's a win-win for everybody, uh, Josh. We're just going to really... Uh, uh, 
advertise this. I mean, you know, you have a lower rate for the insured, the same sort of a same similar policy form and purchase agreement structure for everybody. And then for the insurers, there's fewer claims. So that is really just something. I mean, it's the perfect place for all, right? It's the perfect market for weapon warranty insurance. So all in all, you know, we're building it brick by brick, but it's, uh, it really is, you know, when you talk to U.S. clients and a lot of the deals here are U.S. buyers who are buying in Israel, often strategics for the first time. And when you talk to them, they take a lot of comfort from the similarity that exists in structure between this and, and the policies in the U.S. But there's always that moment where that's that very nice surprise where you, where you tell them the pricing for their coverage when it's it's so much cheaper than what they are used to seeing. And I think that's a great thing. You know, I, I think the pricing is, is, is about right at the moment. Um, and uh, it's certainly helping to facilitate more and more insurance being used. Great. Well, that all sounds fantastic, and uh, we really appreciate the, you know, the very in-depth overview of, of what's happening in Israel. And um, you know, obviously, you're very knowledgeable about this, and uh, it just sounds like a really uh, a terrific development that the product has been able to develop in that way. So, so we'll go into the last part of the show now. Uh, when we call our Shakespearean drama here once more under the breach, um, we're going to ask you our three quick hit questions and the first one that we have for all of our guests is um you know the sort of the one piece of career advice you may give to somebody who is interested in getting involved in reps and warranty insurance wants to get into this obviously um like all of us you didn't um go to law school thinking you were going to do this so um so what is the piece of career advice you'd have for somebody uh who is listening to this and has a longing to do this um I think certainly talk to as many people as you can on both the insurer side and the broker side. You know, I think for me, uh, I found it a really big thing to make that jump. You know, when you, you train to be a lawyer, you go to law school, you spend years and years doing that. And then to make the jump to kind of step away from being a lawyer, which really after a number of years becomes your entire identity. Um, and having to tell my, uh, my, my parents that I'm no longer going to be a lawyer and moving into insurance was, was a fun conversation. So it's, um, you know, <laughs> Things like that. Um, I would say talk to as many people as possible to really get an understanding as to what their job actually involves. What does it mean to be a, an underwriter? What does it mean to be a broker? And and what suits your skills the most? You know. And I think uh, I think the more people you talk to, the better. Um, and that would certainly be my advice. And and also to remember that when you move into this, especially as a broker, you are as much an advocate for your client as you are as their lawyer. And you know, I think. Uh, Sometimes we forget that as brokers, you know, it is our job to advocate as hard as we can to negotiate for our clients. And uh, that's a really important point, I think, to be aware of and to know that when you come into this market, it's an extension of what you were doing if you were a lawyer as a lawyer um, and you're as much their advocate as you were before. All right. Well, and then our second uh, question that we asked all of our guests is what is the biggest change you think we'll see in reps in the next 12 months? And you can answer this Israel specific if you want, since that's the theme of the call of the podcast. Um, what is the biggest change? I mean, I think in terms of Israel, I think it, it's that we'll see hopefully much more of it used and we'll see that continued kind of rise in, in terms of percentage of deals. I think globally, what I'm really interested to see is how we deal with the nil kind of seller the nil, you know, the the the, the no indemnity, the, the no liability, how we deal with that in, in this market in 2023 as we move away potentially from the kind of seller's market that we're also used to and we see a little bit more balance. You know, are we going to revert back to uh, 
the way it was maybe four or five years ago where sellers do stand behind their reps for certain things you know in israel that's something we, we see on a lot of deals especially bilateral deals you do see a little bit more of a hybrid structure whereby sellers will stand behind some things so i'm interested um to see if that becomes the case globally both in in not only in israel but the us and in europe so i think it will be uh interesting to watch that We'll go back on uh, 1231, 2023 and listen to the podcast again and see uh, where that all kind of fell out at. So, all right. So our last question kind of going with our international team here again, and uh, uh, Josh being a guest who is, uh, you know, located outside the United States. We had another friend in another market who shall remain nameless, but um, he knows who he is whenever he hears this, who we had drinks <laughs> with uh, not too long ago who was telling us that we should take into the breach on the road. And he was coming up with all kinds of exotic locations that we should uh, take from, you know, Fiji and I mean, all kinds of places. And we were saying, well, maybe our law firm leader should be listening to this and hearing that our clients think that they, that we should have this there. So, so we'll, we'll pose the question to you as well, Josh. Um, you know, if we were to go on location someplace with into the breach, where internationally should we go? This is into the breach on tour. I like it. This is that nice. is right. Yeah, but I don't think you can't say you can't say Israel. And you I won't say Israel. Right. So where where it should you go? Another country. It can't uh, be Canada either. That's like too boring. No, I I, yeah. I I mean truth is, and and this is probably a boring answer, but I I would say London. You know, I think if you think about the insurance capitals of the world, I I think London is is right there, and uh, you know, I think the London market is such an interesting place because it does so much and caters to really we call it the london market but really it's a global market i mean they do everything there so um plus it's a fun city to go visit you know it's for me having lived there all of my life up until seven months ago it's uh you know i'd certainly be excited to uh to go back as a tourist it's it's a fun place to be and uh I, london would be my recommendation that's a that's a good recommendation I mean, I'm going to veto that. I think we need to go to like Turks and Caicos or like Bali. You want to be somewhere on a beach. I get it. I get it. If that's yeah. what you want, then I, then I would say Tel Aviv. I was going to say so like, it's like, I've never been to it, but that, you know, that Lloyd's of London, that big room they have, you know, it's that historic space or whatever. We could be like the first podcast from there i know i know i'm not like, like 300 years or something right so prince yeah. prince harry may not be so welcome at the moment but i think you guys would be very welcome so oh. certainly, uh, make the trip yeah no prince harry is definitely not welcome talking to our uk clients they tell us this all the time actually the, so. I, I he's persona non grata i think at the moment in uh, in london so that yeah. is right that is right well you are always welcome on into the breach josh we really appreciated you joining us today uh, the um, the jury will uh, deliberate here as to the uh, the mug um, and whether or not you earned it. But I think, uh, <laughs> I think perhaps expecting something in the mail because we really appreciated you coming on the show and, and really just uh, chock full of uh, terrific information for our listeners about RWI in Israel. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Wait, and do, we want, do you want to give your contact information to our listeners so they have it and can get in touch with you? Yes, please. Um, you, I mean, you can find Joshua Begner on, you can find me on LinkedIn, which has my email, etc. So please look me up at WTW. Um, so uh, yeah, please do reach out any questions on anything Israel related. would love to speak to anyone. And thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me. It's been really a pleasure. Terrific. Thank you. Well, Jenna, the bars had been set high for the rest of the year here. I don't know. All the other guests are going to have to uh, 
bring their A game to uh, hang with Josh. That was a really great, uh, really great discussion. So only guests with accents, I guess, from now on. Well, that's it. That, maybe that's the new, <laughs> it's a new requirement, right? So. <laughs> new requirement. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, wonderful episode of the show to kick off 2023. And until next time. Thank you for listening to Into the Breach. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, please visit rwipodcast.com. The views and opinions expressed by Brian O'Keefe and Jenna Usenheimer in this podcast are their own and do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Cyfarth Shaw, LLP, its partners, or its employees. The podcast does not provide legal or other professional services. This podcast is made available by the lawyer publishers for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the law, not to provide specific legal advice. By listening to this podcast, you understand that there is no attorney-client relationship between you and the lawyer publishers. The podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice from a licensed professional attorney in your state. As defined in the State Bar of New York's Code of Professional Responsibility, this podcast is considered a form of attorney advertising. Prior results do not guarantee similar outcomes. Thank you.